Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet in New York City. And welcome once again to Raging and Eating. Now here I am talking to you just a little bit before Thanksgiving, the eve before the eve before Thanksgiving, but in, in the holiday spirit for sure. And I'm feeling, I'm actually feeling really grateful. Mainly at the moment, I'm feeling really grateful about the fact that I survived my last weekend because we had a killer catering weekend. We catered three weddings and it was like three different teams and three different head chefs and three different maitre d's and three different of everything. And I felt a little bit like a, I was a air traffic controller in an airport. Beep, beep, beep. You go that way. You go that way. You know what I mean? Anyway, but I'm grateful, first of all, that it's over because I'm exhausted, but mostly that it, all the weddings were fabulous and everyone was happy and the staff was happy and the client was happy and everyone loved everyone and everyone loved the food. My wonderful, one of my wonderful captains named Gia, truly lovely woman, she said something that really kind of made me feel great, which was that she felt so warm and emotional and appreciated. She genuinely felt love coming from the wedding and the client and I mean, all that is very gratifying. So, I mean, it's one thing to feed people for a living, whether you're a caterer or a chef or a waiter or work in a restaurant or work in McDonald's or wherever you work. It's one thing to feed people for a living, but it's another thing to know that you you really got the love on. You know, you got their heart beating and their stomach singing and their soul singing. That's a really gratifying thing, so... I'm feeling grateful that everything worked out so great. I'm feeling grateful that I have a fantastic staff who really were there for me and really went the extra mile, even people who did things they don't normally do. So my very talented office manager and fantastic everything person, even even in-house photographer, head waiter, everything, CC, uh, she actually was more of, I guess, what would the title be? Mm, so, well, she was a, a chef. I mean, she was really running things. She garnished the hors d'oeuvre trays and set up the stations and did all of these things that normally she wasn't in charge of. And she hopped to it. It was, like, unbelievable. I mean, those stations were like, I don't know, it took me 20 years before I could build a station that beautiful, so... Part of me was a little bit pissed off that her station was so beautiful because I'm like, wait a second, she's only been doing this a few years. Mm. My tequila, of course, had to take a sip. But Cece rocked it and did these beautiful stations. And Gloria made a beautiful steak, and she's normally not the one who does the steak. Usually it's Ron, but Ron was at another wedding, and Gloria did the steak, and it was fantastic. And Really, from across the board, everyone was stretching and doing more than they normally do and doing it better and faster and more beautiful. And, and I know they did that all of that because they love food and they love what they do and they have pride and honor and decency. But 
I also know that they did it because they care about me. And that is probably the best thing you could ever hope for. If you're a boss or a manager or you own a business, the best you could ever hope for would be that the people who work with you and work for you, I say work with me, nobody really works for me, that they want to go the extra mile because they care about you. I don't know. You can't really do any better than that in life, you know what I mean? So there were lots of things, there were lots of hardships. I mean, I, I have a crazy thing that I do for a living. Being a wedding caterer and a bar mitzvah and a bas mitzvah caterer, that's a crazy thing to do for a living. And there's always emergencies and you always have to put out all sorts of fires and just, that's really how you know you're a great caterer. Not how great your food is, but how great you are at dealing with emergencies because they happen all the time. But we all got through it. Everything was great. Every emergency was fixed and it was just fine. And I got to make pickles. As you know, I love making pickles. And got to introduce my pickled turnips, which sounds probably gross, right? Pickled turnips, ill. But you know what? Super yummy. I guarantee you, you would love it. Trust me on that. The thing that gave me the most thrill was I got to do a 70s theme kitschy wedding for this really cool bride and groom. And... I really got to have a lot of fun with that, I have to tell you. I came up with some ideas all of my own, and some I just did some research. Not that I had to do a lot of research, because I really am a product of the 70s, and my family really was as 70s white trash 70s as you can get. So my research involved just thinking back to my childhood for the most part, but still did some research and we did a lot of fun stuff and it really made me happy and made everyone else happy I'll give you an example so who doesn't love having like a mini pizza as an hors d'oeuvre but for a 70s kitsch kind of fun party I did a kind of a deconstructed pizza so it was a cheesy flatbread pizza so it had no tomato sauce it was just the nice crust with an herb oil and a lot of mozzarella and just a nice cheesy flat flatbread pizza crust that we cut into something sort of like a, a cheese stick. Cut it something like that. And I served it with a pizza fondue. So it was a flatbread pizza with pizza fondue. Did you get a kick out of that? And the pizza fondue was a very rustic, gorgeous marinara sauce. But I also whisked into it caramelized roasted garlic puree and a ton of Parmesan and some basil oil and made this very cheesy, garlicky, awesome, chunky pizza fondue. So the hors d'oeuvre was you had the nice gooey cheese stick and you dipped it in the thick pizza fondue and you had an entire pizza experience only sort of deconstructed and it was sort of tacky 70s and kitsch at the same time and more importantly it made me happy and that's what you know what it's all about right and then of course we had to do a wedge salad because nothing says 70s more than iceberg lettuce which now has made a huge comeback and everyone loves it and so rather than putting it in a salad bowl where it would lose its magic, my chef Ron also 
pushing himself to beautify everything. Ron has a real touch, I have to say. And he's a little touched, too. That's why I love him. So we got these big platters, and he cut the nice wedges of the iceberg. And so everyone got a nice giant wedge of the iceberg. And I made this really awesome blue cheese dressing, which I love making variations of blue cheese dressing. And this was, I crumbled up some blue cheese. I put it in my esposa. That is my food processor, my wife. And I whisked into it mayonnaise and Worcestershire and lemon juice and Tabasco. Pureed it up a little bit poured it into a bowl and then I whisked in sour cream a little more lemon and I gave it a little salt and pepper a little more Tabasco and I got this nice spicy creamy blue cheese dressing so the wedges of iceberg were on the big platter and we gave it a gorgeous amount of the blue cheese dressing and then we gave it crumbled blue cheese on top of that and then we half cherry tomatoes and sprinkled that all over the platter. And it was a beautiful thing. 70s and kitschy and all of that. But you know what? You got to admit, wedge salad just rolls. And a lot of people are like, no, they want to do it with romaine because they're fancy. And they probably belong to a beach club. Well, I go to a public beach and I like iceberg lettuce. And I realize there's very little nutrition in iceberg lettuce, but I don't care. It makes me happy, and it feels good in my mouth. And that's all there is to it. So, now it wasn't like that was it, because we're having some 70s fun. So when I thought, well, you have to do some kind of a casserole. Like, nothing says 70s more than some kind of a casserole. Like, tuna casserole is very 70s, which is a fabulous thing. But the night bride and groom really liked Mexican food. And so I thought, we need a white trash 70s casserole. So I came up with my own spin on something that really is a 70s thing called a taco casserole. Or as we say in Jersey, a taco casserole. Jersey's like taco. Anyway, so what I did was I made a big giant batch of refried beans sauteed up a ton of onions and some garlic and we threw in our cooked pinto beans you already have to cook them in advance for this or you could do canned pinto beans pour it into a colander rinse it out rinse out all the liquid it came with that works just fine because this is 70s and white trash so nothing wrong with canned pinto beans saute the whole thing up and after you cook it for a while, you start seasoning it. Give it some chili seasoning. I did a little cumin and coriander and a little chili powder. And then you mash it like you're mashing potatoes. You mash it and you cook it. You mash it and you cook it. And you wind up with your refried beans. Get some big old, well, we use what's called a hotel pan, but a big old deep baking dish. You put a spray, a little cooking spray on the bottom so things don't stick too much and you mash down your refried beans. Now, then I got a ton of chopped beef. I sauteed up a whole mess of onions. I threw my chopped beef in it, and I got my friend and, and really lovely chef Ron to stir all the meat and brown all the meat for me so I could just be seasoning it. I got to be the queen of England and Ron did all the hard work. I love you, Ron. Anyway, so he's browning the chopped meat and I threw in chili powder, dark chili powder, and light chili powder, 
and cumin and coriander. Again, love it. Celery salt, because why not? And a little bit of oregano, because why not? And more Tabasco, because why not? And more chili powder, because why not? I kept going, and then I gave it a ton of my beautiful roasted garlic pureed in that went, and in went some fresh garlic, too. Cooked it forever, and then I wanted to liquefy it a little bit, so I poured in some tomato juice cooked all that down forever and I got a really gorgeous basically a taco meat so when we cooled it off we decreased it a little bit we put our taco meat on top of the refried beans and on top of that we put a ton of grated cheddar now this whole process can be done a day ahead two days ahead even three days ahead and we did it two days ahead we stuck it in the oven just so we could see how gorgeous it was and then all that great cheddar melted. It was a beautiful thing. Cooled it off and put it in the fridge. Then come party time, it gets even better. We covered it with sliced olives, green olives and black olives, no pit of course, and even some more cheese and then a ton of Fritos corn chips and a little more cheese. Now you're supposed to, I guess if you were in the 70s, you would have put the sour cream on top, but I decided that we'll have the sour cream on the side. So we heated it up, we served it in a big giant copper chafing dish. And so you have the gorgeous casserole with the ton of melted cheddar and the olives and the crunchy Fritos and the taco meat and the refried beans and then big, big bowls of sour cream on the side and tons of tortilla corn chips and even more Fritos on the side and it was a beautiful thing I mean it's nothing better than taco meat and Fritos I mean come on it was gorgeous so then I thought well how could we be even more 70s how could we go even further well so I had a lot of carrots left over because I made pad thai and we had a ton of carrots left over and the carrots were already grated And so I thought, let's do an old-fashioned carrot salad. Now, to be a really old-fashioned carrot salad, you want to make it with mayonnaise. But we already had the blue cheese dressing, and we already had the sour cream. So I thought, you know what, if somebody kind of wants to be vegan, let's, you know, do them a solid here. So I made a dressing where I basically started with like a honey mustard. I did a grain mustard and Dijon mustard and maple syrup and I got it really sweet and then I whisked in a little white balsamic and I whisked in salt and pepper and I whisked in a little olive oil and it wound up tasting like a honey mustard dressing except that vegans do not eat honey I know it kind of freaked me out the first time I heard that because I thought why can't you have honey but a vegan explained it's because the bees they felt were harassed um, to get the honey So I guess they were really, really bothered or annoyed or, um, you know, whatever. I did not know this. I thought that when people are, when beekeepers are raising bees, I thought they're being really nice to them to get the honey. And if not for the beekeeper, the bees would maybe have a less nice life. But the vegan explained, no, it's unpleasant for them, so we don't eat honey. Okay, so for the vegans, I made it with maple syrup. And I make lots of things for the vegans. I love you vegans, but I still don't kind of get the honey thing, really. But I support you. It's all right, Dianu, I'm with you. 
So we made this sweet honey mustard tasting without the honey dressing and tossed up the carrots in that and then tossed it up with a nice amount of golden raisins that's very homey in the 70s. And because it's October, it was October, actually November, excuse me, I think uh, we had to go a little harvesty. So we threw in a nice amount of cran raisins, sun-dried cranberries, what do you call them? Cran raisins, craisins, craisins, that's what it was. I knew I forgot the word. Anyway, so we had the homey carrot salad. So now in this great 70s kitchen wedding, we had our wedge salad and our taco casserole and our Fritos and our homey carrot salad. And I thought, well, what else would be really 70s? And you know what was really 70s was this kind of kitschy uh, spin on, uh, I guess, idiots attempting to do Asian food. So a typical dish would be like chicken teriyaki be very 70s and no one really knew what chicken teriyaki was it was mainly just strips of chicken with soy sauce which is not chicken teriyaki but I made a great teriyaki sauce and marinated the chicken and we cut it into strips and grilled it put it on skewers so it looks sort of like chicken satay and drizzled more of the teriyaki sauce on it so your plate at this 70s wedding would be wedge salad with blue cheese dressing carrot salad with honey mustard dressing without the honey, and the chicken teriyaki, why not, and the taco casserole and Fritos. Now, if that's not 70s, I don't know what is. Anyway, it made me really happy. It made everyone else really happy, but more importantly, it made me really happy. And it's all about me, isn't it, my dear? No, it's not true, but you know what I mean. Anyway, And then, of course, at the end, we had to go even more fun in 70s. And so we had strawberries with chocolate fondue. It was a chocolate rum fondue, actually. And I loved doing that because in the beginning of my career, and if you read my book, The Raging Skillet, or saw the play Raging Skillet, you know, that at the beginning of my career, when I got a job at an all-male kitchen, they tried to get me to quit by sending me into a corner and having me dip 3,000 strawberries in chocolate. And when I dipped my last strawberry in the chocolate, I went and told the chef, and they'd been placing bets how long it would take to get me to quit. I went and told the chef exactly what he could do with his strawberry. In a lot of language, I won't repeat here, because I'm a good Jewish girl. And so, of course, naturally, I got the job. He was very impressed with my cursing. But Once I started my own business, I vowed to never dip another strawberry in chocolate. And so I invented strawberries with dip your own chocolate fondue. It was perfect for this 70s theme party. And now I used to get really elaborate when I was making the fondue. I'd put the chocolate in a double boiler. That basically means you take a bowl and you put it on top of a pot. You have water in the pot that's simmering. And the metal bowl sitting on top has your chocolate, and it's melting on top. And then you whisk in everything. But I realized there was a much easier way to do it. So I put my beautiful, dark, bittersweet, dark chocolate. They're like 72% dark, really gorgeous, semi-sweet chocolate. Put that in a bowl, and I heat up my cream until it's really simmering. And then I pour my hot cream into the chocolate and whisk it slowly, slowly until the chocolate melts. No need for a double boiler, easy breezy. Once it all melts, 
then I whisk in my booze. So in this case, it was dark rum, but I have a Mexican-themed wedding coming up, and we're going to do a tequila chocolate fondue, same idea, with a gorgeous golden tequila whisked in. Cognac is a gorgeous thing. Jack Daniels, whiskey, bourbon, any of those things, beautiful. So it worked really well and super easy and everyone loved it and it made me happy and it made everyone else happy. So now I know we're, you know, just a couple of days before Thanksgiving. So you're probably like, am I going to give you a turkey recipe? Am I going to give you a stuffing recipe? Am I going to give you a cranberry sauce recipe? Well, no, I'm not. You know why? Because I'm sick and tired of telling people how to cook turkey and how to cook stuffing and how to make cranberry sauce. I'm not the least bit interested. And as a matter of fact, what I'm going to do for Thanksgiving this year is I'm not going to cook a single thing. So a tradition that I started many years ago with my best friend Trey and her husband Mendel, also known as Gus, also known as M, the multi-name man genius. Rest in peace, M. We miss you. And her daughter, my goddaughter, Zara, also known as Z. And so we started this tradition some years ago of going to a steakhouse on Thanksgiving. We did it several years in a row. And, um, and then everybody started missing turkey, and we kind of went back to being traditional. But this year, after COVID and after everything we've been through, one of my most beloved steakhouses, which is a great festive place in downtown New York, great for Christmas and New Year's and all kinds of things. We're going to go to this fantastic steakhouse for Thanksgiving, and they're going to have a Thanksgiving menu with turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and all of that. But no, I'm going to have a steak. And Trey already told me she's having a steak, and I'm pretty sure my girlfriend Lydia is going to have a steak. We'll probably share one because they're like the size of a, of a dinosaur's head or something. So we'll share it and we'll probably take most of it home to go, you know, have it again the next day. But it's sort of like that's my idea of Thanksgiving, to have people around who I love, who love me, and to not have to cook a single thing. I'm down for that. But you, you don't cook for a living. Well, you know what? Maybe you want to cook. For many years, I always had an orphan Thanksgiving supper, kind of a potluck. I would make the turkey and the stuffing and some of the basics, but everybody would bring something. I did that many years in a row. We just had a big, awesome, festive party for Thanksgiving where everyone drank too much, smoked a little too much marijuana and everything else. It was a love fest. I guess what it comes down to is that it doesn't really matter what you cook on Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's kind of cool to be traditional. I mean, I do love it. I love the turkey and the whole thing. I love doing interesting things with it. Like my friend Gary invited us over the other night for a kind of a pre-Thanksgiving cocktail soiree. And he made these cute little tea sandwiches with roast turkey and cranberry sauce and these little baby tea sandwiches. And that was adorable. Of course, I'm gluten-free, so I couldn't eat the bread, but I took the turkey and the cranberry and put it on a potato chip and had my own little hors d'oeuvre. So I'm cool with that, but more excited about the fact that Thanksgiving is really about giving thanks, taking a moment to feel grateful, sharing your love. If you don't have anyone in your life who you can spend Thanksgiving with, 
then just go out and share your love. Go to a soup kitchen and help out and volunteer. Walk around, just love people, be nice to people, share your love. Find a way to spread the joy. That's what the holiday season's really about. So I guess the vegans and the vegetarians would say that I'm not sharing the love because I'm going to sit down and have a big steak and, you know, that's not very nice for the animals. But I will try to make up for it by eating vegan and doing vegan things and trying to keep the universe equal after that. So forgive me. But on Thanksgiving, Mama, I'm having a steak, okay? So... I would say, if I have to tell you food-wise what I'm most excited about at the moment, it really is that 70s kitschy taco casserole. That was a lot of fun. And the wedge salad, super fun. You know, the carrot salad, eh, I don't know. It was fun. It tasted good. Not my favorite. But I liked making it. Chicken teriyaki was cute and fun. Mm, Not my favorite. But the wedge salad and the taco casserole really jazzed me up. And the chocolate fondue really jazzed me up. So, I guess what I would say to you is, if you are cooking for Thanksgiving, obviously make a beautiful meal, but it's really about the love. And if your turkey's a little dry, or if your cranberry sauce isn't sweet enough, or, you know, whatever, just have fun. Share love, share joy, give thanks, be kind, be good, be fun, just have a good time. I would much rather go to a Thanksgiving supper with dry turkey and cranberry sauce that's not sweet enough and have a good time and lots of love than go to one with perfect turkey and perfect sauce and perfect side dishes where everyone's a little uptight and not having fun and not feeling the joy. You know what I mean? But if I was going to cook a Thanksgiving supper, I'm not, as we know, I'm going out to a steakhouse. I'm off duty. But if I was going to cook a Thanksgiving supper, I think I would make a, a sort of a casserole like I did the taco casserole. I would do hmm, a ground turkey casserole. Yeah. If I did it Mexican like this, it would work out fine because it could be ground turkey taco casserole like I just did. Or it could also be a layer of mashed potatoes, a layer of the ground turkey cooked up, And I would top it off, hmm, let me think about that. Could top it off with some cranberries or maybe a cranberry mustard. Ooh, I'm getting excited again. All right, next year. Next year, I'm going to do the turkey mashed potato cranberry casserole. And I'll let you know how that works out. This year, I'm off duty and I'm going to a steakhouse. But whatever you do, just have fun and give thanks. I'm very grateful to my awesome staff. I'm very grateful to the friends of my life. I'm very grateful to all the people who helped me and my company get through the 15 horrible months of COVID. And we're not through the woods yet. Grateful for everyone who stand, stood by me and helps me every day. And I'm grateful for being able to make beautiful food and have people love and appreciate it. And having staff that cares about me. I'm grateful for a lot of things. At the moment, I'm also grateful for this little glass of tequila that I'm enjoying. And I'm not even really much of a drinker. I know you probably think I'm a boozer because I'm always sipping tequila, right? Mm. 
but it's just because when I do the podcast, my throat gets a little dry. So normally I'm a pretty wimpy, but I'm giving thanks for you. I'm giving thanks for you for listening to me, for liking me, for reaching out and commenting and sharing, sharing my podcast and my radio show with the world and making me feel special and cared about. It's all about me. No, it isn't. It's all about you. So for Thanksgiving, I'm giving thanks for you. Have a fantastic holiday. And whatever you do, just know that you are fantastic, just the way you are. Share your love, baby. This is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love, and so are you.